Good morning. My name is Brandon, one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Uh, this is the end of Holy Week. Holy Week began last Sunday with Palm Sunday and then Good Friday, remembering the death of Jesus, and then today, Easter and the resurrection. And so let's get started. If you want to get to know someone, uh, and I mean really get to, to know them, say you're on a first date, uh, you, it's an Italian restaurant, uh, you're this, uh, uh, let's call it fancy Italian restaurant, uh, and you both get red wine, right? And so the guy, you, you get the expensive glass of wine because you're going to show you are worth the money. Ladies, you get the cheap wine because I'm not high maintenance. I just get what, you know, whatever they bring. Table wine is fine. I'm not, not afraid of that. And ladies, here's your next move. You ready? You want to get to know someone, find out second, third, should there be? I don't know. Ask this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? No, no, stop. What are you afraid of? I promise men love that question. He'll call you back, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm kidding. You ask the question, the answer is going to be you. I'm afraid of you right now, <laughs> this moment. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm kidding about the first date, but I'm not about the question. What are you afraid of is actually a pretty fundamental question that drives more of who we are and what we do than we might realize. It's so fundamental that last year, New York Times ran an article titled, What Are You Afraid Of?, where they had nine artists from around the globe graphically depict their answer to the question. And one of the responses, um, it just captured what I think is one of humanity's most fundamental fears. And so here's the picture. You can see the, the, the woman, she's actually from Bologna, Italy. Uh, she, you can see her there and you can see her shadow coming out, staring back. It's, it's this shadow monster that's just been unleashed. It's looking back at her. And here was the title to her picture. You ready? Facing the other me. What are you most afraid of? Facing the other me. Here's the point. Matthew, in his recount of the resurrection, uh, does something interesting. Matthew is writing to Jewish religious people trying to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the, the long-awaited Savior that we have been waiting for. And so what I would have expected is for Matthew to be a bit more apologetic, right? To say, hey, listen, he, he did rise from the grave. He has been resurrected. Listen, and it's in accordance with X, Y, and Z scripture, but he doesn't do that. Instead, what Matthew does is he repeats one word four times, the word fear. Fear, afraid, noun, verb, same word. And so what he does is he blows right past, right past why they might say, I can't believe, and gets right to the heart of why they would say, I don't want to believe. And I think by the end, what we're going to see is it has more to do with the other me than we might realize Let's get started. Verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And so here's the scene. Uh, on, on, on Friday, Jesus uh, was crucified, died, and buried. And now it's Sunday, and two women, uh, they go to the tomb, and there's an angel that has descended and is sitting on a rock. And the guards, 
the guards whose job it was to protect the tomb, to keep Jesus in the tomb, uh, are panicking in fear. They're, they're as if a, a dog who's afraid of its owner, just lying still, playing dead. And now in verse 5, the angel speaks. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now here's my question. Here's what I want to know. Why if there's no evidence that the women were afraid? Why if there's no evidence, not, not, a, not a shade of evidence that the women were shivering in fear, only the guards, would the angel not say to the guards, but say to the women, Do not be afraid. Other than the obvious, there's an angel talking to them. Um, let me tell you what I think is going on. The, the phrase, do not be afraid, it would have meant something to them. It would have meant, uh, it would have meant something. To Genesis 1 and 2, here's the, the story of the Bible. God creates the world and it's good, it's beautiful, there's harmony, there's rhythm. Adam and Eve, they're naked and they're happy about this. Like there's no insecurity by my abs. Not right now, not Genesis 1 and 2. But then Genesis 3 comes and there's this fracture and it all falls apart. Sin enters the world and there's a break. And God comes down and he walks through the garden and he calls out to Adam and Eve and the first thing that Adam says to God is this. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. First words, I was afraid. And then after this, 70 times uh, in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament, do not fear, do not be afraid is said. And these women would have known. They would have known that the fundamental reason why God would say, hey, do not be afraid, do not fear, is like in the garden, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And Jesus, picking up on this in Matthew 14, there's this fairly famous scene where the disciples are out in a boat and there's this horrible storm that's just come raging in and they're panicking. They don't know what to do. Jesus walks on water out to them and says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so if we could put ourselves in their shoes, the women, these two women, if we could put ourselves in their shoes, just sort of escort ourselves out of the uh, 21st century Western Houston Heights, and we land in their shoes, first century, where we, we have just seen Jesus crucified, and now we're at the tomb of the Jesus who is dead. And these words, do not be afraid, Rolodexing in our mind, for I am with you, had to be hollow comfort to them. What do you mean I am with you? I watched you die. I am at the tomb. Angel, you just said that Jesus you seek is the one who's crucified. What do you mean, do not be afraid? Are you kidding me? Do not be afraid? It's not with us. He's dead. But this is Easter, and we know this is the story. The story doesn't end here, verse 6. This is the angel. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, 
behold. The next three words may or may not change your life. Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. So the angel tells the women, hey, um, go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and Jesus is going to meet them there. But then Matthew does something, to be a grammar nerd here, um, in the original language, Matthew goes out of his way to say that Jesus went out of his way to go and meet the women on their way to Galilee. As they're walking, leaving with this blend of fear and joy, going to tell the disciples, Jesus just shows up, roadblock, and he looks at him and says, greetings. Now, I'm guessing that none of us in this room have ever had an angel speak to us. Now, I know maybe college was like this crazy time, and there was this one night where, like, I swear, an angel showed up in my room. We had a conversation. It was, it was fun. It was good. And I'm guessing that Jesus has never showed up physically in front of you and said greetings. Again, college, maybe you thought he did, but I'm sure he didn't. Pretty sure that he didn't. But I do know this, that we're all old enough in this room to know this blend of fear and joy that these women were leaving with. And so we just did this series on the book of Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations is this book in the Old Testament where, uh, where uh, Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, are lamenting all the brokenness of their city, the brokenness of their lives, and we took a deep dive into it, a deep dive into the brokenness of our own life, what is lamentable in our own life. We lamented things like struggling with feeling like we'd be single forever, but but knowing now, bringing it forward, that, that excitement of the first date, but afraid it's going to be like the rest of them and go nowhere. Lamented the struggle finding, keeping a job, but knowing the excitement of I finally got one, but that fear of showing up on day one, knowing I interviewed better than I am, and eventually they're going to find out. That struggle of our marriage being on the rocks. Finally, there's a glimmer of hope, but afraid all that glimmer is is a glimmer. I've been gripped with pornography since I was 12. Like, I, I am consumed with pornography. I wake up every day thinking about that moment when I'm going to be able to slip off and work and just get a few minutes in, thinking about from there the time when my wife or my roommates are going to go to bed and I can finally crack open the computer. And then finally, there's just this day or two or I get to experience a little bit of freedom, but I'm so afraid that it's just going to be that a little bit. It's not going to last. It never has. And here's the hope of the resurrection. Here's the joy of the resurrection. So we left lamentations and what was lamentable. In the same way that Jesus met them on the road in their blend of fear and joy, he wants to meet you in the middle of your fear and joy, and then he does meet you in your fear. How? How, Brandon, in the middle of my life falling apart, in the middle of things just crumbling around us, in the middle of this horrific sickness that I can't imagine, in the middle of my marriage struggle, in the middle of I'm 45 and I'm still single, is this ever going to end? How does he meet me? I'm going to give you two ways. I'm going to give you two ways. One, he meets you at the communion table. Every week when we gather on Sundays, listen, our Sundays do not build to the sermon. The sermon is not the pinnacle of our gathering. It builds to the table. It builds to that moment when you walk out of your aisle 
come down, take the bread and dip it in the cup and somebody looks you in the eye and says, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. And in that moment, as you eat of that bread and drink of that cup, Jesus is meeting you, the resurrected living Christ who said, this is my body, this is my blood, is meeting you in that moment. Second way, in his people, through his people, through the church. That's why every Sunday, somebody doing announcements stands up here and says, hey, there's 24 parishes that gather together on Sundays to make up Sojourn Heights. If you're not in a parish, let me plead with you to get into one. And if you're in one, it's why we plead, open up your life to the people in the parish. Like, don't be afraid of just opening up your heart and letting them see you. Don't be afraid of opening up with some honesty about the pain of what is lamentable so that Jesus can meet you in the middle of your pain. He meets you through his people. But now what Jesus says is pretty fascinating, I think, at least. And Jesus said to them, this is verse 10, speaking to the women, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. When he says brothers, he's talking about the disciples. He's talking about his disciples. He calls them brothers. But you know what just happened? I'll tell you what just happened. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples are the 12, now 11, who have followed him for three years. They all abandoned him. And then there's Peter, our bold Peter, my boy, who, hey, aren't you one of the ones with Jesus? No, I don't know him. No, 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 I, I saw you with him. No, you didn't see me. That was somebody else. Pretty sure I did. No, I, like I heard about Jesus a few years ago, like you guys did, but I don't know who you're talking about. And Jesus calls them, first words about them, post-resurrection, my brother's. If I'm Jesus, uh, that's not where I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start with that marital conversation that goes like this. Why do you never listen to me and always someone else? Why? Why, Brandon? That's for my wife. She's in here. She just said, can I get an amen right there? <laughs> I'm going to show him and say, I told you so. Told you. Man, I'm here. Look at me. Touch me. I warned you. Not Jesus. He looks He's women in the eye, and he says, hey, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. I'm going to meet them in Galilee. And for those of us who grew up in the church but have spent decades running, this is good news for you. God's not floating around in the sky angry at you, saying, hey, I give you every shot in the world. But you spent 30 years running, done. He's ready to look you in the eye and call you Brother call you sister. And I know some, or I think some of you are probably thinking, man, I'm just too far gone, Brandon. You just don't know me. If you knew me, you would know that, man, I'm just, I'm just too far, man. Like that, like maybe when I was a kid, but not anymore. Like that, that shadow monster, that shadow that she's so afraid of, like that shadow, it's, it's not my shadow, it's me. Like it's me. It has taken over my life. It has consumed me. It is, it's the, you want to know the real me? If I were going to draw the real me, um, I, I still do stick figures, but I'll do a big circle for my shadow that's coming out, and I'm going to show you a monster. That's the real me. And here's the thing. We, we try to do, as much as we can, uh, fairly honest, straight talk around here, and so I hope this is not too straightforward for you. But we've all been to that funeral 
We've all been at that funeral where the person who passed away was just awful. I mean awful. But then somebody at the funeral stands up and says this. Oh man, like Tim was the best brother I could have ever imagined. The last time we talked was 15 years ago. But I'm telling you, he was at, there was this time when we were six and I fell down. Somebody pushed me down on the playground. He came over, told the bully to get away. Like, man, that's how I remember my brother. I remember him when I was six. He did that for me that one time. Or Lydia, like she was the best sister. Like she just loved everybody. And everyone in the room knows that's not true. And here's the deal. We might as well not sugarcoat it. For some of us, the monster has come out. The monster is the real you. Like your shadow monster, it's you. And that could be, could be your funeral. Could be. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You see, what makes Good Friday good is this. You know what was happening when Jesus was hanging on the cross and nails were being driven through his hands and nails were being driven through his feet? You know, the sky went dark. You know what's happening? He was becoming the other me. He was becoming the shadow monster. And you know what happened on Sunday when he came back to life? When he came back to life, he put the other me to death. And he did so so that so that no matter how big or how violent or how real the other you is, no matter how real that shadow monster has become the real you, there isn't a single monster in this room whose shadow has come out that is so powerful that Jesus can't overpower it. Not a single one of us in this room. When I was in college, like there are things that I did in college that were horrific. Like things that if I ever said them again out loud, I would, I would not be able to fight the shame that I feel. To confess, to not be able to fight the shame that I feel right now just thinking about it. That if my son did it, I would just bawl in tears. And then 22, some friends invite me to this Bible study. I want nothing to do with it. Uh, I go because they tell me there's a lot of women there and I show up true story. I go to church. I go back to this Bible study. And then all of a sudden, I'm crying out, God, if you're real, I'm in. And what was happening was Jesus met me there. I, I introduced me to himself through his people. And he met me. And the monster that I assure you was as violent and as real as anyone in this room, the Lord said, I can overpower that thing. I can. And so if the story of Peter and the disciples uh, is one that says, hey, listen, there is no one so far gone that the grace of God, the love of God for you in Christ, because what Christ did can't be overpowered, can't be overpowered. And you would say, man, I, I want it. I kind of want that. Like, I, I, maybe I do want that. Maybe I'm tired of living this life. Maybe I know the real me. It's time to die. And I want that life. What would stop you? What would be the barrier? Glad you asked. Matthew gives us a hint. Verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests, that's the religious leaders, all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, 
they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And so the guards, the guards whose job it was to keep Jesus in the tomb, go to the chief priest and, and, they, and they told him what happened. And so they say, hey, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to tell people that while we were sleeping, the disciples showed up. They just slipped him right out of the tomb. Go and spread that. And listen, here's some money. I'm going to pay you off for it. And listen, Roman guard, if the Roman governor finds out what happened, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. I'll, I'll slide him off the trail. And so here's my question. What would motivate them to do this? Like what would motivate them? Whether it's the Roman guard, whether it's the chief priest, what would, what would motivate them to do this? Why would they do it? Well, for the guards, Jesus escaping would have been a civil crime. For the religious leaders, it, they'd have been exposed as a fraud and lost power. And so if I could say it like this, the, the guards would have lost their place in secular society. The, the religious leaders, the chief priests, they'd have lost their place in religious society. That have lost what they had. And so if you want to find, if you want to ask the question, hey, what's, what's stopping me? Like, what's the barrier between me and this life? What's the barrier between me and Jesus? Ask yourself this question. What are you afraid of losing? What are you afraid of losing? What is it that you have that you're afraid of losing? For them, it was social standing. Maybe it is for you too. Maybe it means that um, you know that the way you're going to be invited to live by Jesus is one where I'm not so cutthroat at work and I actually celebrate when people get ranked higher than me. I, I look at them and I can celebrate their success. doesn't mean it won't sting, but it means I can celebrate them. It, it might mean that I get passed over because I'm not, not quite as knifing as I should be or could be or would be expected to be. But maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the illusion of how my life has turned out. Maybe what I'm afraid of losing is the illusion. You see, the chief priest and the, the guards, they were people like you and me. Uh, they, they, you, you can't read this. You can't read the Bible like some academic exercise. You've got to remember that these people were people like you, like me. They had hopes, fears, dreams. And they had a first century uh, Facebook, Instagram life as well. Right? They had a public profile. And even knowing that Jesus had left the tomb, they weren't willing to give up that profile. They weren't willing to give it up. You see, our, our Instagram life, right? Flashing pictures, always the good stuff. For me, it's, hey, look how cute my kids are. It's never watch me spank them. It's not a bad idea. I don't know. Maybe it is. I have no idea. Play it back in front of them. Show them this is what's going to happen to you. Uh. But I'm afraid. Like I'm afraid of giving it up because I have so convinced myself that my illusion is me. And I know that if I, if I, if I give that up and I let Jesus press in, what's going to happen is the illusion is going to get crushed. It's going to crumble. It's going to go away. And I'm going to have to deal with the real Jesus as he deals with the real me, and that scares me to death. I don't want that. 
I don't want it. I am afraid of that. And so maybe the answer is, I'm afraid of what Jesus might do to the image that I've created. Not the image I've created for you, but the image I've created for me. Maybe I'm afraid of losing that. Maybe that's what I'm afraid of. So the question that Matthew is compelling us to ask isn't why can't you believe? It's why don't you want to? What are you afraid of? But here's also, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced some of us in this room right now, we, we are here today because we desperately want to stop living the illusion. Like we, we are fully aware that my Facebook me, my Instagram me is not the real me, that the real me is far more like that shadow monster that's come out. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying to suppress this while I pretend to live this, all the while knowing I'm trapped somewhere in the middle. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that fight. I want to give it up. I want it to be done. I want the other me that Jesus offers. I want it. I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to just let go. I want it. I want it. That's the me that I want to live. But I've got doubts, Brandon. Like I struggle. I've got doubts. I've got, I think, man, I'm afraid of this. I'm I'm afraid of who I might be or who I might not be. And then there's just all these questions about God and the Bible and Christ. Like I just have doubts, Brandon. What do I do if I have doubts? What do I do if I really am ready for whatever life Jesus offers? But I've got these doubts. What do I do with these doubts? What do I do with the fear of who I might be or who I might not be, Brandon? What do I do? That's next week. You come back next week. That's what you do. Or we can have this conversation again in December. It's your choice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you would send your son into the world as you did to go to the cross, become the other me, and stand in the gap for me. And thank you that on Sunday, Friday was made to be something glorious as Jesus came back to life and put the other me to death. And I pray for those in this room who would say, man, I've, I've, just, I've followed Jesus for 20, 30 years and I'm still trying to fight that other me. I'm still trying to fight that monster from coming out. I, I pray that they would and they would know that, that you're meeting them, looking them in the eye, that in a moment when they come down to the table, you're, 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 you're not disappointed in them. You're looking at them and calling them brother, brother, sister. With compassion and love, you're calling them brother and you're calling them sister. And for those who have spent 10, 20, 30, 40 years running, I pray you would grant courage It takes courage to stare at the other me when we know the other me is that shadow monster coming out. I pray you would grant courage that we might be able to face it head on because we have turned head on to you. We know that that kind of courage takes mercy and it takes grace. And so we're asking you to grant it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.